Check, 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 check. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the next episode of In Killing Color. Today, we're going to talk about a story that took place back in the 80s, so we're throwing it back a little bit. Um, This story is basically about Sharon Randolph and her husband, Tony Randolph, and how he thought he was going to get away with murder. And he did for a while, but then it got back to him and he got clocked. (laughs) You hate to see it. Let's get into it. These are their stories. So Sharon Randolph was a police officer and a mother, and she was gunned down outside of a restaurant, and she was found dead in the back of her car 34 years ago. Now, this story was on um, Fatal Attraction on TV One, but we're going to get into it. So basically, we're going to talk about how a teacher turned lawyer lost it all after he implicated after he was implicated in the murder of his third wife. Yeah, listen, third one, two, third wife. Tony was getting busy, wasn't he? (laughs) So it took about 20 years to bring him to justice. But the Beatty family, which is Sharon's family, finally got their justice when um, attorney Thomas Randolph was arrested for the fatal shooting of his wife, Sharon. Now, this was in, like I said, in January 1982, when Sharon was found dead in her vehicle outside of the Empress Gardens restaurant in Southfield, Michigan. So when the detectives got on the scene, um, Thomas Randolph, which was her husband, told them that they were attacked by a man who had an accent. Of course, it was somebody with an accent. It couldn't just be him. It was somebody with an accent, of course. He said that he didn't remember much because he was struck in the head, but he does remember hearing the gunshots that killed his wife. So by the end of 1982, Thomas Randolph had custody of her sons and he had collected on the life insurance policies totaling almost (laughs) $300,000. Now, you know, I, I, I hate to say that this is like the direction where it's going, but you see the direction that it's going. It's giving $300,000 life insurance policy. It's giving, I'm getting custody of her kids. It's giving, I really care about this lady. When whole time, it doesn't seem like there's too much caring going on. So in the years after Sharon's death, um, Thomas lived in the lap of luxury with his fourth wife named Marie. Now people who knew them, they said that they lived in a huge life of luxury. I'm talking about like big mansions, cars, jewels, furs to the floor. You know, it was giving lavish life. I ain't mad at it. So in between that time, Thomas had become a prestigious lawyer and he drove around a Rolls Royce every day. So Thomas was giving you pull up. (laughs) So his wife at the time, her name was Marie Antoinette Jackson Randolph. And she um, pretty much was a go-getter like him. And she started a daycare center and the daycare center she had it was that one in a bunch of chains they were like overnight daycare centers so they were really really like handy in the area and they made her a lot of money and she was one of the ladies that if she had on a look she was gonna have on a fur 
So, <laughs> so she's walking around the daycare going to check in the cheering, and she got on a fur to the flow. <laughs> Come on, Marie. <laughs> so they were definitely like a power couple, and they just presented themselves wealthy, wealthy, wealthy every day. But throughout the time while they were living in their rich fantasy world, um, it seems that Sharon's boys, the ones that Thomas was so pressed about adopting, were not really involved in that. They seemed to be getting pushed to the wayside. And Thomas kind of just kind of forgot that he did all that to get those kids in his life in the first place. So the next year, and when I say next year, I mean 1983, he gave up custody of the boys and gave them back to their biological fathers after he had fought that same biological father set in court to get custody of them in the first place. For me, that sounds like Marie was like, child, I am not about to be raising nobody else's kids. We got too much grandeur going on. We don't need no children and we don't have none. So let's give them back and let's do what we got to do. And that's a shame because them kids had gotten lived to, used to living in a lap of luxury. And now it's just <sighs> back to the hood you go. So Sharon's family definitely felt some type of way about that. And the whole time they wanted to say, hey, you know, you are actually not as innocent as you say you are. But nobody wanted to believe the family. The family was like, hey, we know Thomas knows more than what he's saying, but nobody could prove anything. So eventually that lavish lifestyles that the Randolphs live came to a big, big, big screeching halt when they did a audit on Dr. Marie Jackson Randolph's finances. And it shows that Marie had been embezzling coins from her daycare in the sum of $13.5 million. <laughs> this lady was out here, Joanne, the scammering these people. She had, they said that, I was watching this when I watched the show. They said that she was, she had like some upwards of like 700 handbags, two, 300 furs, like a thousand pairs of shoes when they went to like get all, they had tons and tons of stuff. Either way, Marie's ass went to jail <laughs> and she got sentenced to nine years in prison in 1999. So. At that point, then Thomas was sitting around like, Lord, what I'm going to do? Child, my baby don't went to jail. I'm out here by myself. I don't know. So he just tried to continue doing what he was doing. But then a year later, a man named David Hutzel and another mysterious woman came forward with a story to the local police. They said that Attorney Randolph paid a man named Santa Rel Shannon to kill his wife back in 1982. Now, at first, people were like, how did Thomas know Santa Rel Shannon? And it was like, mm, I don't know. Here's how they got to know each other. So back in early 1982, um, Thomas was a guidance counselor at a school called Wayne's County, Wayne County Community College. And he says that one day they heard conversations about between Santa Rail, Santa Rail and Thomas talking about the unaliving of his wife. 
Now, Santa Rell was definitely uh, somebody that had some mental problems. And he was also the uncle of two uh, federal informants. So that's already giving it's going down the down down because it's not giving anything. So here is a quote from court records. And this is what it's saying. Hutzel and Norwood lived in Shannon in 1982. Shannon and Hutzel knew, knew the defendant from Wayne County Community College. Hutzel stated that he heard conversations between def the defendant and Shannon around January 1982. And at the time, the defendant was conveying to Shannon that he was sick of his wife and wanted Shannon to kill her for him. Now, according to Hutzel, and when I say Hutzel, that is the person who came forward with the information to the police all those years later. So according to Hutzel, an insurance policy was discussed as a way to pay Shannon and that the defendant gave Shannon money in a brown paper bag to get started. So he gave him a little deposit. Now, Hutzel testified that he drove Shannon to the plaza. So therefore, you're an accessory because you drove him there where the um, Empress Garden restaurant was located, where they were going to go meet Thomas there. Now, Hutzel further testified that Shannon went into the plaza. Then he came out briefly and then, then, then Thomas went back into the restaurant. So according to him, uh, Shannon, and every time I say Shannon, I'm saying Santa Rail. So let's, let's try to keep up because I know I'll be talking around the bush, but I'm going to try to keep you up as best as I can because my mental be all over the place. <laughs> Said that Shannon came back to the car to wait for them. And then when his first wife came out and Thomas, he ran to the car and said, die, bitch, die, and shot her twice in the face. What? <laughs> die, bitch, die. And then you shot her twice. And then to make it look good, you also busted Thomas upside the head with a gun a couple times. Bop, bop. Just to make it look, you know, plausible because Lord forbid it don't look like it's supposed to. So for 20 years, you was out here chilling. You used her, he used her money to go back to college to get his master's degree. Then he went and got a doctorate and then he went to law school. So he got three higher education degrees after he unalived her. And nobody was the wiser. Nobody. And that's just really weird to me because it's like people will do things to, you know, just try to, I know, you know, we talk about it a lot. It's always something that we always try to bring up. And it's like, you know, people will kill you if you're not doing anything for them or towards them or it's, it's nothing like that's it. That's it. Like you get tired of your wife and you like, hey, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and do this. But also, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas was out here doing bad, down bad. Also, when I was doing some research, they showed that Thomas got two more death penalties after he got charged with the unaliving of his ex-wife for murdering two other people in 2008. <laughs> what time has got going on? Like, really? Like, 
Like when he was in court, nobody came, nobody did anything. So not only was his family not there because they obviously didn't give shit about him, but the, here's the here's the drawback for all that. So Santa Rell, when they went to court, Santa Rell actually did not get charged with anything. He got some probation, time served, ankle monitor, things like that. But like I said, Thomas was the one that got the life sentence because he was the one that did that. So it's like, is it giving justice or no? But I guess for the family it is because they knew that Thomas was not the one that was supposed to be doing what he was doing. But, I mean, Santa Rosa said, look, I'm not, I'm not filling in nothing. <laughs> this is it just is what it is. So at this point, Thomas lived his whole life. So I feel like at this point, it's like, hey, you know, you just um, you just did what you did. And you uh, got out and did that. All right. So at the end of the day, I think the lesson is if you're going to try to unalive your wife, make sure you unalive the person who unalived her as well, because all y'all going to jail. <laughs> and that's just what it is. Y'all make sure y'all are following me in Killing Color on every single platform. Talk to y'all next time. Bye.